As we're getting ready to build our worlds in summer camp this year, let's talk about setting the scene. Because there are certain things that we need to have established before we go in. And these are some of the big minefields that destroy all world building endeavors. But here's the trick. One sentence, one paragraph, that's what you get. Keep it short, keep it sweet. Yeah. So let's talk about setting the scene on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today we're talking about setting the scene. And yeah, I'm going to be talking about my Dragons of Night project as we're doing this, because I think it's important to see an example. So down in the show notes, you'll find links to all this. Let's just get into it now, shall we? So when talking about setting the scene, we're talking about the rules that the world works by, its cosmology, its geography, it's people and history. And you're only allowed to write a sentence or a paragraph. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Keep it to the point. Let's go. That's the brilliance of this entire thing. Because as somebody who's been doing world building probably longer than I've been writing a book, I've been trying to think, think about that. Because when I think back to my first writing project, I would have been... And I mean, like, full-on writing project. I would have been in, I think, seventh grade. And I was pretty much writing short stories and doing world building on the side. Most of the short stories I was writing really fit more in that world building than in, like, writing a book or, like, a freestanding short story. And most of the projects I worked through high school, yeah, so we're mostly world building. So in a way, I've kind of been doing world building since the beginning. And this is this is where you always get lost. This, this is the easiest place to get lost because well, what are the fundamental differences between the natural laws of the, our world and the world we're writing in? Oh, I could write a book about that. I shouldn't, but I could. What's the geography like? What's the cosmology? Oh, what a talk about getting lost in something. Yes, these are things that we should know going into the world building, especially if because they're things that can affect the world. Because, I mean, the geography and cosmology of, like, Discworld are so integral to everything that takes place in Discworld that if you don't know it going into it, yeah, that could be a problem. So... These are important things for us to know and for us to cover, but they're also things that can easily, easily just bog us down and keep us from actually having any kind of forward progress because they're so deep that, well, you can get lost in them really easily. So let's talk about the rules of the world. Now, what's brilliant about this is there's one question. What are the fundamental differences in the natural laws of your world? One question and you have to answer it simply. 
And the reason this is smart is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, when I first started doing world building for my first sci-fi story, I basically started compiling a, a, a physics book. And uh, that sounds so crazy, but I did because I, part of it was good. It was, I, I wanted to understand how theoretical hyperspace would work. I wanted to understand time dilation and all that. I wanted to understand how gravity worked. I wanted to understand how planetary physics worked and how, you know, planets were formed and stars and all that stuff. And that none of that's a bad thing. <laughs> like none of that's a bad thing. If you're doing science fiction and you want to go into that level of detail, more power to you. That's wonderful. That's awesome. The fact that I was putting all of that into my setting Bible that I was working on at the time, that was a problem. You see, it's it. I, I feel like I need to say this because some people don't get it because I have arguments with people about this all the time. It's it's science fiction. We write, we write science fiction. And while, yes, it is helpful to have a grasp on fundamental rules of physics, it, you don't have to be perfect. It's fiction. The story matters more than anything else. And the fact that I felt that I had to define gravity in my rules for the world back then yeah, no. How does it different? How is it different? And yeah, that, that that's, <laughs> that's a very important question, especially in its phrasing. I hope none of you have ever made that kind of a silly mistake, but yeah, I, I definitely have. Now I'm not saying don't do research, especially if you're doing something that like involves gravity or what have you, but you, you don't have to write a doctoral thesis on gravity to write a story that takes place in the spaceship. Like I was literally trying to figure out how gravity plating would work, which is silly because we don't have gravity plating in the real world. So what? I was going to invent gravity plating so that I could write a story. I mean, that's just pure and utter silliness. So for the setting, I, I have at least at the time of recording this, there may be more um, in future, but at, at the time of recording this, I have three laws. Magic exists. Magic is the ability to channel the subtle energies of life to change and or affect the world in different ways. Some beings like the, like dragons, fae, giants, Raphaim, um, Jinwu, Onoroi and the spirits possess this power innately, while others, like the average human, must learn and take oaths for the craft and grammary to practice magic. So there you go. There are things that have to be done. That's it. Those are the three major laws of the world as it exists. That's what makes the that world different from mine. I, I could and might in future add a couple extra in here, like there are magical beasts. Like this is a world where there are unicorns and griffins and dragons and wyverns and all of that. I, I didn't feel like I needed to state that because one of the things that I have really been learning over the years about world building is less is more. If it's something that needs to be said, it needs to be said to me that's covered under magic exists. So all kinds of magic, magical creatures exist. 
Maybe I want to spell that out. Maybe I don't, but I'm trying to stay focused. Cosmology. Oh, how many times have I sat down to write my own Silmarillion? Let me count the times. Oh my goodness. So how did the world come into being? That's it. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Don't belabor the point. And again, like I said, this can be very important depending on the nature of your world and the story that you're telling. Mine's very simple. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows how the world came into being. It just is. It just is. And now, having said that, everybody has their own ideas. So if you ask the dragons, you'll get certain ideas. If you ask the fae, you'll get certain ideas. If you ask the Raphaim, you'll get certain ideas. People have ideas, but nobody knows. Nobody knows. So they could all be right. They could all be wrong. They could all be telling versions of the same story. They don't know. And this is the important thing. At least for the stories I can conceive of that I want to tell, it don't matter. So I don't even have to know. And I can allow that ambiguity to exist in the world. Because it's not going to affect the actual stories I tell. So... Geography. Geography is a place that always hits me hard because I love maps and they are the bane of my existence. Because <sighs> I'm bad at making them. <laughs> so geography. Two questions. What does the geography of your world look like? And two, does your geography have any special properties or features? Basically, there are two worlds in my setting, there's our world that looks pretty much like our world. And there's the other world, which is the world of the Fae, which is kind of a mirror universe to ours in some ways. Not like in a Star Trek mirror, mirror kind of way, but it's it's like our world, but different. Like here it's magic, but it's like low magic there. It's like really super crazy high magic. That That's what it looks like. Um, special features, still water can act as a portal between our world and the other world. Um, and hills and mount mountains concentrate power and through stone circles that can be amplified. Other than that, I, I don't, you know, I can't think of anything at this point. Again, this is the wonderful thing about doing it this way is if it becomes necessary to expand these in future, I can. But at this point, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. And that's so important when doing world building is to focus in on what you need to know and just do that. It's very important. It's very important. I can't say it enough. That's so important. So now we go into the next phase, which is people and their history. So I know that the story is going to be taking place in Blackwood County. So who used to live in Blackwood County and what is their history? This is uh, problematic for me. I simply kind of hand wave this away in the thing that I wrote about, you know, there was a bloody history and all of that. And the reason for that is I actually want to do some stories that involve the native populations that were there and incorporate them into the world. And I have reached out to the tribal councils for the groups that were in the area at the time, some of which still are in small numbers, 
and I've asked them to help me, you know, if, if they could recommend some books, some resources, I'm willing to pay to learn more about their culture and their history and all that. And I've been doing that for years and they have never responded. <laughs> and I, I really feel that it's important for me as a white writer to be very respectful of indigenous cultures, especially here in the Americas. I have a great love for native Americans. Um, this is where I get to say that horrible white phrase. Some of my friends are native American. Oh yeah, that's fun. Um, but you know, I, I've known enough people to know that it was not one giant monolithic culture. And I, I really want to do my research. The problem is the groups that I would have to look into are kind of the Susquehanna and, um, I just lost the name of the other one while I was talking. It starts with a P, um, that were in the area. Everything that I can find is much more broad. Like this group was part of the, you know, one of, one of the groups was a part of the Algonquin, you know, language family. Well, that's a language family. That doesn't mean that they necessarily shared all of their culture and history and history. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would like to get some more information on the ground. I'm hoping one of these days, um, when the plague is over and we can travel again and we're in Maryland to try to go around and find books because my internet searches have not been helpful. So if you know any good resources for native American tribes of the Mar Maryland, Northern Virginia, Southern um, Pennsylvania area, please share them with me. I've really been trying that, trying to find them and I've not been doing well. So I am doing what is probably the worst thing that I could do is I'm trying not to talk about those points in history as much as possible because I don't want to, I don't want to be a problem. And it's really hard for me to try to figure out how to not be a problem when it comes to this. Um, which species slash cultures live here now and what is their history? So this area is a part of the, of the Sithirsa, which is a part of um, Ernadale, and it's part of the nation of Vinland. And yeah, that's means that we're going to have, um, members of the Sathirsa, which is old English for the way of the giants. Um, we are going to have practi practitioners of the Trivian way, the dark gentry, the Seely court, and others are going to be present in this area. And that's who I'm going to be talking about. So what do they need and what do they need from each other? Now, this is a place that is just such a wonderful, wonderful time to be in introspective because the main groups in the story that I'm telling, and you'll notice that I left the humans out, like the bog standard humans out, whether they are Drymen, the pe people who actually practice magic or the Rekka, the humans that don't. I've left them out, at least for now, as, as of the time of recording on here, because um, I want 
to approach the story much more from their point of view. And right now for me, it's much more important to understand the elders, these virtually immortal and in some cases, immortal beings that they have to deal with than getting into the nitty gritty of the human world just yet. So as of recording this, they're not listed. So we have the Sithirsa, which are technically human, um, in that this is the predominant religious and social group that has um, power and sway over the area. I have actually written out the uh, Path of the Giants, the actual covenant. I've written out several of these things and I think they're public on the website. They will be public on the website if they're not already published. Um, and it's been really interesting for me to look into them as a group. Um, actually, I don't think I'm going to get into the nitty gritty here. So that that's the Sithirsa. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be developing a lot more about their culture. If you read the chain, then you're familiar with them. Everyone with the exception of Castle from that book and uh, Nathan actually grew up within the Sithirsa. Um, they grew up within Arnadale and yeah, so you, you get a sense of their culture. It's similar to ours, but different and a lot of fun. Now the Raphaim, oh, I really need to figure out how to talk about them. The Raphaim are a group from Western, um, Semitic, Northern Semitic, uh, folklore and legend. They're the Lords of the Dead. And they're a group that I'm really wanting to play around with a lot. There's isn't actually a lot of stories about how they, you know, about them. We, we just know that they were a function of those, uh, uh, of their mythos. And so I'm really probably taking more liberties with them than I should. I'm playing around a lot with the various Gnostic ideas with them because I think that would be a lot of fun to play with. And yeah, that's going to be fun. The Dark Gentry are the um, dragons of the setting, and they actually come in several flavors. You have um, the dragons themselves. You have their servants, the Ryukishi, the dragon knights, who are granted a pearl that grant them powers. They're basically humans that have been made powerful. And then you have a few uh, Hanryu or half dragon characters in the setting that are the product of a human and a dragon having a baby together. And then you have the Seelie Court. The Seelie Court are the main government of the Fae. I thought about adding the Unseelie Court on here, but at least right now in my way of thinking, there isn't an evil organization of Fae, at least not one that's that um, clearly defined. There would be Fae that would be considered unseely and thus, you know, wicked and evil and whatnot. Um, but eh, they don't play a part in at least any of the stories that I'm working on right now. And you notice I keep saying that this is the secret to effective world building is realizing 
what you need to know and what you don't need to know and trying to keep yourself focused because it's so easy. Like I could go off last time I was working on this, on a project in this world, I got lost evaluating the history of the Fae and started writing their history of the Fae from their origins in Ireland all the way down. And I read, I read the book of invasions and all this, and it was a lot of fun, but it's absolutely unnecessary for the story. So I'm, I'm going to try to translate what I've done of that onto the site because I've already done it, but it was work that I did not need to do. And I took months doing it. So if nothing else, what I hope you learn from this is one, these are some things that you might be interested in reading about. That would be awesome. But also just keeping a fo keeping your world building focused on what you need to know and not getting lost in what you don't need to know. Alrighty. Well, that's it for me today. If you have any questions or comments or and topics you'd like to hear on the show, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean. I would love to hear from you. If you have, um, if you'd rather hit me up on social media, um, you can find me at CE Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find a link to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you get a buck, you can pass my way. Down in the show notes, you'll find a link to my Patreon and listener support. Thank you so much to everyone who does that. It means the world to me. It really, really does. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, please don't feel any pressure. But if you know anybody that you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out much more than you know. Alrighty, I think that's it for today. Just a reminder, this is the last week. For a while, I'm going to be doing daily episodes. As of next week, we're going to be going to a weekly format while I'm doing Camp Nano, um, Camp NaNoWriMo this year, and we'll see how y'all like it. And if you like it, we can keep that format. And if you don't, we'll go back to the dailies. So until next time, stay, stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.